welcome. This is Mibbit Marketing and I am your host, Rachel Claver. I love helping small business owners become more confident and more capable with their marketing. So this podcast is all here to help you do just that. It's me and the help of some great guests helping you learn new skills, new strategies and ideas. Let's jump in and get started. Hello and welcome to episode 69 of Method Marketing and I am your host Rachel Claver. Now I am going to come clean. This episode was meant to be about an entirely different topic. Sorry, that was a bit of me rustling my notes. Um, and I had this fully planned. I wrote my show notes. I had it all organized. It's even up currently as we speak, ready to go live as the topic this week. And then I felt on my walk this morning, and this is like literally just a couple of days before this podcast is live. I'm normally far more organized than that. I had this thing that I wanted to talk about. And so today we are going to talk about the different levers that you can pull to improve your business. And, and I want to talk about this because in marketing, people often think marketing is just how to show you how to do a social media post or how to tell you how to do an email or things like that. But when we're doing marketing, we're looking at the entire business and it's quite a holistic point of view. And people forget about that. They don't see that we're looking at that stuff. And there's all these different levers and different activities that we can pull to improve your business. And we look at all of those when we're doing a marketing strategy. It's really important to me that I don't accidentally make you bankrupt if I'm working with you by getting a growth in an area that's not profitable. We look at the pricing. We look at the profit. We look and see what's going on in terms of your spending behavior of your clients and you a little bit as well. We have to have a few little what I would call come to Jesus moments with people talking to them about their spending levels in the wrong areas of business. In fact, I've sadly worked with someone a few years ago whose business went bankrupt simply because she could not curtail her own spending habits around buying too much stock and like too much frou-frou stuff that wasn't actually what the business needed. Um, and we look at that stuff because we want to look after you as when we're working with you on a one. But we also, I want to teach you that as well. I think that's really important. And these are not magical Rachel Claver levers that I've created. These are ones that are uh, marketing strategy or business growth advice levers. There's five of them, but I wanted to go through them with you today to help you check your business and have a little bit of a check. And I've got a marketing health checklist that I'll put into the show notes that you can also download to give a, a little look on your stuff. It's free. You do have to give me your email and I do send you out, you know, six or seven emails post that that you can read or not read, which hopefully would also give you more in depth and video uh, uh, detail around it that can help as well. But I really want to go through these. I cover them a lot in my book, Be a Spider Builder Web, not necessarily through the structure, but they're secretly intertwined in there. And they are the five ones that we look like look at. Now, not every one of these are ones that every business can manage. Um, and I'll tell you what they are now because I hate people that tease it out. So there are five levers that you can pull. The first one is profit. And we're going to talk a little bit about how you can increase the profit in your business and look at some of the things that you can do to do that. And ones that we use and I recommend you can increase the spend, the average spend per customer. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. You can increase the traffic to your site, to your store, and all those sort of things. And that's that marketing activity space, which is really just one 
of those big spaces when we're looking at a strategy. So you can see already that a marketing strategy is only, you know, it's not covering just that thing, it's covering everything. A, a digital strategy will often just focus on the traffic side of it out of these five, but a marketing strategy will cover all of these and, and we do marketing strategies. So that's what I'm talking about. Uh, how to manage repeat customers and encouraging repeat purchases, because of course that improves the lifetime value of the customer and then how to increase referral business. And so we're going to talk about three of these things. My my how-to on all of these is by no means exhaustive and it'll be different for each business, but we're going to walk through a few of these and I'd love you just to sit down and go, huh, do I need to look at that? Is something something I need to look at? Because I know for me, you know, I go through this list quite frequently and then I take a look at our business and go, oh, actually we need to shift this or change this. Um, and basically too, like it's, it's a good thing. If, you, if your business is not profitable, or it's not getting enough profit you definitely look at the profit space first and deal with that if you feel like people aren't spending enough so it's expensive to acquire a customer but the return isn't great from that then spend is the one to look at if you aren't just getting you're getting sales and people come to your website but they're just not getting enough then the traffic is the one that we're going to look at if you are getting um, business but not enough repeat repeat example 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 etc etc so so one of the things before we do this is there are a few models that don't suit all of these. Um, for example, there are some businesses where repeat is actually just part of their structure. You might have a subscription business and so repeat is in there. A childcare center, I've worked with quite a lot of childcare centers. Um, repeat is just part of your normal business. You don't just sign someone up for a week. You know, your goal is to get them there for three and a half years. So, and one of the things we need to think about that too is that people often you know, when you're signing someone up, you need to think about the average price of the sale. So for example, if we get a Facebook ads client, um, we bank that sale value at, at a very small amount compared to the actual value of that client, but we'll bank that sale value at say like four months worth of, of Facebook ads, knowing that the average time someone stays with us is two and a half years. So the value of that client is actually a lot bigger. Uh, but that repeat is actually just part of that structure of knowing that value of that client, the, the, your monthly amount from that person might not be huge, but if they sign on for a year or two years or three years, the value of that client becomes quite significant. And you have to be aware of those things because that gives you a true understanding of actually what you need to do to grow and where, where everything works. So let's go through and work these things through. So there's five levers, profit, spend, traffic, repeat, and referral. Those are the five that we work, we work with when I'm looking at your business and what you could be looking at in your own business. But let's start with profit. So of course, the last thing that I would ever want to do is help you grow a business that's not profitable. And there's a lot of them out there. Um, you know, if you're not paying yourself at least market rates uh, for what you do in the business, your business is not functioning the way it should be. If your business has got a great turnover, I worked with some, like, someone recently, their business was like, you know, 750,000 plus turnover a year, but they're not paying themselves market rates or making profit, your business is not sustainable. And that's really crappy and hard to hear sometimes, but we really need to make sure that profit's there. And people have a funny reaction to profit sometimes. We think it's dirty. We might have mindset issues around it. And so sometimes in profit, you need to work on your mindset. You need to think about, you know, am I actually, do I actually feel like I should be getting paid for this? Do I feel like I'm paying, being paid what I'm worth being paid for? Uh, we've just recently put up our pricing for my one hour sessions. Um, 
partly I love doing my one hour sessions, but we put the prices up uh, because the output, the end result for our clients and the people using it was massive. And I wanted to make sure that I was coming to those knowing that I had to totally bring my A game, give more time and also be paid a little bit for some thinking time that I might need to do beforehand to really maximize that time, which isn't necessarily paid for in that one hour session, but is definitely paid for by the person who is booking that time. You know, so, so those sort of things. So thinking about your value, the value that you give, making sure that things are profitable. So that's a start. Thinking about your pricing as a whole, you know, is your pricing allowing for the different margins of different things? Is it allowing for your time? Is it allowing for the products and shifts in products and spaces and time? Is it allowing for other people to one day be involved in that process, like a distributor or an admin person or someone else who's going to need to be involved in that, that you might not be officially be able to charge on separately, but is going to be involved in that, that delivery of that service or that product? Um, is it a pricing that um, is, ma is making you money? It has to have a great markup. For service-based businesses, it must be at least 50% of your over the cost, normally two to three times the amount of the cost um, to do that would be best for services, especially if you're a solopreneur, three, to, three times is about right. You know, so if you went in my head, if you went, oh, I'm happy to be paid, $80 an hour, then probably your charge out rate is probably $240 to, cut, to, to do with all the other stuff that you need to do. If you've got a product and the cost price is $5, you need to be looking at at least sort of, you know, I reckon a retail of, you know, $20 or $25, like four, three to four times as much or four to five times as much as that cost price. So thinking about those things, people often make a markup mistake and just double it, but it doesn't actually allow for those things. So pricing is in there. Having a look at your costs, how can you reduce costs over time? It might be that you have high costs now, but you know that once you get to a medium, another capacity, that you're going to be able to buy a machine or something like that, that will significantly lower those costs. Your strategy might be to count, to basically cope for a short period of time until you get to that point and then cope with that. Or it might be that you work out a price now that's profitable now it becomes extra profitable when you're able to get bigger and scale and manage that. So that might be another option. So looking at costs, when it comes to costs, it also might be around making decisions around your team and your capacity around different things and your priorities. So for us at Identify, I have chosen partly because I'm a strategist and partly because I love marketing and that's what I do to do a lot of the marketing, even though that doesn't make, um, I guess, fiscal decisions. Like there's some stuff that I do that could be done by someone who's cheaper than me. But to create, for me, an authentic brand, I've chosen that a portion of my time needs to be on me creating that content. And that's really important to me. It's what I teach in BeASpider.web, um, to have that authentic voice coming from the business owner. To do that, though, I also have got other people in my team. I have um, a Kiwi admin. So I have someone who's a New Zealand person here. And if I didn't have that Kiwi admin person within my team that I was paying like team rates, then I would have a Kiwi or a native New Zealand speaking, Kiwi speaking, because it's our main target market. Um, I would have a native speaking VA here in New Zealand. 
Um, I also have a VA in the Philippines who is part of our team and I adore. And she does a lot of the stuff that doesn't require to have uh, native spoken English simply because in marketing to get that lilt of, of language, I want to make sure it's more reflective of me. This isn't a thing, um, but I, I've chosen to have her. Now, those are costs, but they save me time. So I know that when I give Judy and my team um, work to do, or my podcast editor, who Vera, she's amazing. She'll be listening to this now. Hi, Vera. Um, you know, when I give them those jobs to do, yes, it's a cost, but it saves me more time. And that time can be used either for higher level marketing or it can be used to work with clients. And so sometimes in that profit thing, it's about us passing on some things that create extra costs to do that. And I have this rule with apps too. Now, I love signing up to apps. I have many that I like to use, but once a month I do go through them and I check to see what can I be doing um, with my apps that are either saving me hours of time. So if an app is going to take me, um, give me an hour more time a month and it's less than what I would charge out or the cost of me for an hour, then it's valuable for me to have. And if it costs me, gives me more than an hour's time, it's even more valuable. And especially because that's still going to be cheaper often than paying a team member to do that same work. So sometimes in profit, it's not necessarily about just cutting costs and we should be cutting costs, thinking about things. We don't have to go down to the one ply toilet paper of everything that we're doing in our marketing. No, 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 no. But we do need to think about how we can reduce costs that are necessary. You know, what organizations are you part of or things that are costing you money? Are you getting a return from them? What is working there? Are there things that you're buying, subscriptions that you're paying for? Are you getting a return from them? Are you using them? And if you're not, maybe you need to move them from that's that's what we need to be thinking here so profit is all about reducing cost and increasing the profit and another little part of this is making sure that you choose your most profitable products or services to talk about and I get stuck on this I've been talking about this with my coaching group this week because I like um I want to talk about my book all the time well let's be honest my book I think makes me about eight dollars every time someone buys it go Rachel like that's pretty exciting whereas if I sell a strategy which albeit has more criteria to do that that obviously is far more profitable to our business to be able to sell one of those in a chunk and quite often as business owners we can so easily get distracted around things that that um, we feel we get it like a cool dopamine hit but aren't great profitable things and I was doing some sales training about maybe eight or nine years ago with a restaurant um, as part of a hotel thing and one of the things we talked about was there was looking at the entrees in this restaurant and I talked about profit margins and I said so tell me you know what is the thing that you sell the most of and most of them were like oh you know we sell this um, this the scallop meal because it's really beautiful and we sell this oysters thing and I said great now tell me the one that has the highest profit margin and for them it was a soup and literally there was eight or nine dollars difference in profit between those but because the flashy product which was the oysters or the scallops which had hardly any profit margin in them at all um, felt more special they were talking about those ones more when they could be talking about the soup and obviously you don't want to be going soup 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 to people all the time but one of the easy things you can do is if you have something that's thinking about whether you've got things that are higher profit 
are you talking about those things in your marketing? Are you talking about the things that actually have a higher profit margin when you're doing your messaging? Or are you slipping into just talking about your favorites, which might not be that? And that's a really important thing to be also thinking about in terms of profit and the link to marketing as well, because we want to sell more of the things that are profitable. So you might have a few things that you might make or things that you offer that aren't that profitable that you're accidentally talking about all the time. And when we come to marketing, we want to talk about things that will create more profit, will create more growth. So when we sell them, they help benefit our business. So that is the profit lever. And I'm wondering if you have anything that you need to change by listening to that or think about. Do you need to go through your apps? Do you need to look at your pricing? Do you need to make sure that it's being calculated for growth? Do you need to make sure that you're looking at what you're talking about in terms of your profitable products? Do you need to have some outsourced help to help you or use your team members more effectively to help you with that profit as well? Are you carrying too much that's preventing you or other people in your team who might be able to be doing more income generating work? Are you preventing those people doing it by tying them up with too many other things? And how can you make that work? That's your profit space. Okay. So profit was number one. Number two, the next lever that we can press and move around is around spend. And this is about how much a person will buy from us at one point, the average sale price. And that's going to vary. Um, for a stationery company, it might be $50. For a perfume company, it might be $35. Uh, for us, it's around $4K, $4 to $7K. Um, it can vary depending on the, the service. And knowing what your average sale price is is really good because when you know your average sale price, and, and on this too, when we talk about repeat, you know, average lifetime customer. So our average sale price is sort of four to five, 4 to 7K, but our average lifestyle price is around 10K because people will buy over like four or five years, buy other bits and pieces. Knowing that information is really important. And obviously some of you are like, whoa, my product's only 20 bucks. You know, I'm not doing 10K. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what that average price is. But our goal is to try and always think about ways that we can elevate that and make it bigger, not to rip off the person, because this is always about this, the active service, but looking at what is your sales, average sales price? Is it, again, going back to profit, a profitable one? And then think about ways that you can add on to that to help benefit your customer, but also add average sale price. So we might bundle things together. You know, you might have a group of products that you're putting together or a group of services you put it together where you go, hey, you can do this or you can do other things. Um, our marketing toolbox, our online course, we used to sell just as it is, but now it's sold with two one-hour sessions because that bundle was something people were using anyway. And we made it a bit cheaper by putting it all together. Um, and that increases the average spend because it's actually now the only way you can do it. But it also means that the people are getting what they wanted and they were using anyway um, with less hassle. So, so bundling, it can be something that's beneficial to other people. You normally need to make it a bit cheaper overall because actually, even though you're dropping a little bit of profit, the benefit to the person is they get it all at once. And the benefit to you is you get a bigger sale. So thinking about that and then also thinking about how you could add cross sales or upsells. So our business is a service-based business that's not always so good. It's, it's a bit trickier and I, I feel a little bit eh, 
if too many people do that, you know, if you buy a course, they're like, oh, cool, buy this thing and buy that thing. Doing those cross sales and upsells during that sales process for me for a service base sometimes feels a little bit contrived, but it works super well for product based businesses. So thinking, hey, if someone buys this product, what's something else that I could sell them that relates to that product? So that's a cross sell. Or what's something I could do to encourage them to have an upgrade from that product to something else? That's an upsell. So thinking of ways that you can really sitting down and, and my recommendation around the spend space is sitting down with a piece of paper, maybe talking to someone like me or an advisor or a business partner around how you can actually create these cross-sales and upsells and how you can bundle things that feel authentic and how you can actually consider ways to really up that cart. Um, it might just be, um, you know, adding a little thing at the on top, like an extra $5. It doesn't sound a lot, but if everyone's doing it on a regular basis and the profit margin on that is 2 or $3, you it's no extra shipping, it's light, it's easy, but you're making two or $3 more per order just by doing that easy upsell or cross-sell. And that's what we want to see in terms of e-commerce. It's the same with products and you can do it in a shop. That's why we have all those beautiful things. It's why the supermarkets put the chocolate in those aisles to try and get you to grab stuff. Kmart, like I do not, and I am sorry, I do not enjoy shopping at Kmart. I know I'm going to lose listeners for this, but I just, I get overwhelmed because my ADHD is too much simulation. And, but you go in there and there's a shopping thing and you walk around and it's literally like this curly, curvy snail line of all these different like things that you can just quickly jump in. You're like, oh, it's only $5, oh, it's $3. And I'm very good at avoiding those now, now, but there would have been a time that I wouldn't. And that that's because they're so good at that upsell of just going and adding other bits and not cross-selling, um, cross-selling with an upselling, sorry. So adding those bits in. So profit is a lever you can shift. Spend is a lever you can shift. The next one is this big marketing chunky one. And we probably will miss stuff on here because this is why I do a strategy with someone and it'll be different for everybody. But the old name for this section is footfall, getting people into your shop. And I like the word traffic because the way I describe it is that I want you to imagine that the whole of the internet is this very, very busy train station. And there's all these trains coming and going and people are suddenly finding themselves in this train station, all the people on the internet on this train station. And your job is to make your train that goes to your website the most attractive one ever and most engaging one. And it might be, you might have a train that leaves from the Facebook station. You might have a train that leaves from the Google My Business station. You might have a train that um, has a really good map in Google because you've got good SEO. So that when it searches and they're looking for a destination, you come up and it goes straight to your destination, which is your website or your shop. It might be that your train is leaving from TikTok or LinkedIn. Your train could be, um, you might have like a directory that is, um, people have been there before. So you might have like a little list to remind them to go back to the train station because they're in their emails and that's email marketing. So there's lots of different ones and you make the most beautiful trains and they go, oh, I love that train. And they hop on it and they go all the way to your website and that's traffic. That's traffic. And here's the thing. We need the traffic. We need this critical mass of traffic to get sales. On a service-based business, a good rate of conversion, if you're getting new traffic to your website, so not people who just know you, but new traffic to your website, 
is that for every 100 people that come to your website, around 1% to 3% of those people will make a purchase or inquire about making a purchase. So that you need 100 people to get to your website for that to happen. So you need to keep on pushing traffic around all those different marketing activities. And that's why we really focus on things like digital marketing and things that bring people in. It could be advertising as well, obviously. So you could use advertising, but that traffic is all that digital marketing and all that normal marketing activity that's bringing people in. And the reason we push digital marketing as a digital marketer who also happens to be a marketing strategist is it's so easy to measure it. You know, I'm not against radio. I've used radio in the past. I love it. I've used print. I've just recently been using print for a few things and print can also be good, but it's really hard to quantify the traffic. Uh, so those things are good, but we really, for small businesses, because your budgets are small, because you, you know, you need to understand that what you're paying for, what you're spending time is working. We really rely on that digital side to really get an idea of what things are going. And there's tools you can use. Um, I use Metrical. Um, I sync up all my accounts with that. You know, one of the reasons that I've got into YouTube this year is that 20 to 25% of all my traffic is coming from YouTube, which is so intoxicating for me because it's so easy. And that traffic is, is definitely converting to sales. That traffic sometimes, you know, I worked with someone recently and they have great profit margins. They've got great spend. They have great repeat customers. They have great referrals, but their problem is, their problem is they're just not getting enough traffic. They're not getting enough people for there to be critical mass to buy enough. And so that's when that strategy becomes so important and that activity on digital becomes so important because you need that traffic. So I said one to 3% for a product, for a service-based business, for a product-based business, look, you can go up to seven or 8%, but it's got to be a pretty damn good website for that to happen. And often it's a niche. Most websites sit at that sort of three to 5% for a really good converting e-commerce website, but it is a bit higher than it is for service-based businesses, mainly because service-based businesses tend to have a bigger, um, it's a co bigger cost. It's a bigger thought process that often having to come through and talk to you. Whereas a, um, you know, often you can do a lot of sales, that building a desire thing is often through all that traffic generating content that we're doing. And that builds a desire that people go, I'm buying it today. I'm like that. Whereas with a service-based business, often people come in initial stages, they're not quite ready, they're earlier in the customer journey and it makes a bit difference. So just be aware of that. But traffic might be the lever. If you've got everything else and sorted, if your profit margins are sorted, your spend, you know you're getting those average sale prices, they're all sorted and they're good, then that's where you need to have marketing help and marketing support and marketing strategy and know where you should be going and what you should be saying and how you're doing it. It's in that space. And of course, if you want help with that, and you want my help, you know, you can definitely get in touch with me. That's totally fine. And you can be part of the Mavit Marketing Group on Facebook too. Uh, it's free to join that group because um, it would be against the terms of service on Facebook if it wasn't. Um, but also it's free um, to ask questions in that group. So if you've got questions around traffic, you can come and ask them in there too. But you need to be specific about what sort of business you have because it's very different for every business. Our locally based business can just use Google My Business on Facebook most of the time and that's enough. Whereas a nationally based business will need to have different things. International, we need different things again and different techniques. So it really is important if you are asking questions of anyone like me or anyone else 
be as specific as possible about what, what your target market is. And that obviously fits into this traffic. You need to know who you're targeting to and all those sort of things. All that marketing stuff is in that traffic space. All right. So we've got profit. We've got spend. We've got traffic. And then the last, uh, the fourth to last one is repeat business. And this is one of the ones that I have such a big bear about because actually so often business owners just don't look after their past customers. And I've had um, podcasts before about email marketing, things like that. But we need to really care about our, our past customers because they've bought from us before. So they're more likely to buy from us again. And we so don't invest our time into those people. I worked with someone recent, just this morning delivering their strategy. And we talked about how she's got this great list of people who've bought from her before. She knows they love her products. Some of them have bought more than once but she's not investing that time in email. And if you have got a list, particularly if you've got a list of over a thousand people and you're not regularly emailing them, you're leaving money on the table. A good email strategy will sometimes contribute, will often contribute up to 30% of your overall turnover. So when you think about lifting your turnover or lifting your profit, email marketing is in there. So repeat business, definitely email. Having regular social media posts to remind people that you're there and recency. You know, the example I often give, which is a, is a kind of an inappropriate, but I'm going to share it anyway, example, is that imagine you're in a long distance relationship with somebody and you've got great communication, you keep on talking. It's unlikely because you've got that great communication in that long distance relationship, it's, it's unlikely that you'll think about like moving on to someone else and these things aren't great but if it's going well and you're feeling connected with that person and they're kind of reminding them that they're there even though you can't physically see them and that you're reminding them you're there they can't physically see you that keeps that connection going but if it's a long distance relationship and they disappear off the face of the planet well then after a while you might mourn you may mourn but you also are more open to noticing well, what's around because you don't have this constant connection that's going on. And so often we take for granted those past customers and we want them to be repeat customers, but we don't treat them like we want them to be repeat customers. So, you know, talk to them sometimes directly, especially in your stories, in your emails, in your videos. Um, and your content sometimes talk just to those repeat customers. Obviously, your emails are always like that. I call that your community space. If you've got a Facebook group, spend time and nurture in that Facebook group before you jump off and try and find other people because they're there for you. Talk to them in Instagram stories and all those sort of things. Sometimes bring in those people and talk and and feel make sure they feel valued because that repeat business is really important to help sustain your business. Uh, but it's also really nice to have people who are fans of yours. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So we can do email marketing. Talk to them sometimes in your social media. Um, give them treats sometimes. So like you can reward people with email. Like if they spend a certain amount of money, give them rewards, thank them. And the last part of this is do a great job. You know, have great customer service, have great communication, talk to them well. Um, make sure that they you answer their emails, that they feel connected. Don't put all that priority into doing that just with your acquisition, but make sure you do it with this group too. Um, this is something that I admit in my book, Be a Spider Builder Web. I admit that in this book, um, that I that was something I I didn't do well when we first started identify, and I I, I haven't always, I still don't always get it right. You know, sometimes there'll be relationship breakdowns that are just part of long-term working together when people move and shift. 
but for the vast majority of times, you know, my focus is always like clients first, past clients second, and then community third, and then fourth would be new people. So that's in my head, that's what I do. So even this morning I came in, I had some other stuff to do, I had some marketing to do, but I had some emails that I hadn't caught up on to people who one was a past client, so they went first. And then the second one was someone who's potentially a client. They went second before I did the other stuff because that's that community level of just showing that in your actions that you support those people is really important. So profit, spend, traffic, repeat. If you're not getting repeat business, that's a sign that your business is broken. So that that to me is a warning signal um, that makes me know that there's problems with customer service or delivery or the way that you're doing things. And we look for repeat business in a healthy business. Um, and we can help you fix that. Um, but often there's quite big things to fix if it's happening like that. And you need to look at that. And that's a scary thing sometimes as a business owner. But don't jump into the other stuff until you fix that repeat thing. Because if they're not repeating or referring, there's a problem. There's a problem with how you're doing things. And we can make all the excuses in the world, but that will be what's causing it is there's something going on in your business that's preventing that or it's your product or it's the way you're delivering your product or communicating all right so we've got profit spend traffic repeat and the last one is referral uh and referrals are magic and I do talk quite a lot in, in my book you know how we went through a stage where we were not getting many referrals I'll tell you it's it's painful to watch other people get referred when you're not <laughs> Uh, but it was deserved that we did not get them. And thankfully, we do get them now. And so the first part of it, the reason we want referrals is that word of mouth marketing is one of the most powerful things that we can have. Um, people trust another person's voice over your voice if they don't know you. So if they know that person, they trust them. And they don't always have to know them directly. So even having a testimonial or a review from someone else um, on your advertising is a really clever part of it so that again this is us using a referral technique in your traffic so getting those in there and sharing that's why we share our testimonials because they do work um, and case studies can be part of that as well so in terms of referrals obviously getting testimonials from other people and then using those again can help that referral network for people who don't know you case studies so and I normally recommend paying someone to do your case studies so case is a bit of a service-based businesses get a lot of them you know you can get really in-depth ones um, I've done a podcast in the past about case studies so hunt that out um, that was with Lizzie Davidson and it was really great she did it talked really well around what needs to be in a case study so you know so case studies are in there um, making sure that you do a good job again so people will talk about a great job they'll also talk about a bad job um, in fact, people will talk about bad jobs more than they'll talk about good jobs. So we really want to keep that good jobs going. And they, they, they'll they only tell like four or five to 20 people about a good job, um, but they will tell thousands on the so on social media now if you don't. I saw a bad um, a bad ad from a, um, a really, really awful ad from a brand and did like a little podcast, a little TikTok on it. It's had thousands of views and people just keep on talking about that. They've changed what they're doing. And of course, it's stuck there on the internet. Um, whereas like if I said something amazing about someone, you'll get people going, oh, that's really awesome. And I love that. And and it's really good. But, but um, not so many people share it. So so referrals, um, so we've got testimonials, we've got case studies, do a great job. And then the last one, which fits into here, 
as micro influencers. So looking at people who are really good fans of your brand and that are already engaged with your products, already paid for it, people that are paid for it. Influencers otherwise kind of fall into traffic, but I'm talking about people that can make a real difference in levers for your business. People who are already fans, um, already love your product, and, you know, I did a podcast a few weeks ago with Conviction Skin with Gemma Eid, and this would fit into this. She's using this. So listen to that if you've got want some ideas around it. They do have to declare if you give them a gift. They, they do have to declare it. They can get in trouble if they don't. So please don't try and tell them not to do that. Um, but micro-influencers can also help with that referral from people. I'd call it a third-party referral where they're seeing that person, they have trust in that person, and because of that, they then have trust in your brand. So there's a whole lot of things you can do around that, but we need to make sure that the framework's first. So go with the order, profit first. I've got a po podcast about profit, profit first, but profit first. Um sort that out, make sure your pricing's okay, check your costings, reduce those, make your business the most healthy in terms of profit that it can be. Um, if you're taking a hit now, be aware of where those lines are and what lines you have, you you need to, the targets you need to meet to move through that. Make sure you've got plans in place to pay yourself properly if you're not already doing that. So that's that profit space. Then we need to look at increasing spend. So looking at how you can increase that average customer spend overall. And so you've got that in your strategy. So you're really thinking about doing it. The traffic one in terms of that marketing, sometimes depending on your business, if I was if I was being your strategic advisor or your strategist, if you already have a significant email list, I'll often say, let's work on your repeat business first because that's a quick win and you can get more in. But if you don't have a big email list, we'd look at the traffic. So how to increase your marketing activity then go to repeat business. So depends on your business. And you might want to think which one of those. You don't have to do that levers and order from there. And then referrals, that lovely icing on the cake. How can I grow that? How can I make my systems better? How can I make my business better and stronger to help me grow? So those are the five levers, the five levers that you can pull to grow your business. And I hope this has helped you. Do use the marketing health checklist that I've got in here because I'd love you to use that and analyze your marketing. That's that traffic side that will help you. But also take some time to think about your profit and how what your average spend is. Find those things out. You might not know. You might have to have a look. Have a look in Zero or have a look in your um, Shopify stats or other website stats. Have a little look at your repeat business. Are people coming back? You know, if you're using um, a deep data marketing automation like Active Campaign or Clavio or Light. You'll be able to see the history in there, which is really helpful as well, so that you'll be able to see who are my big spenders and what are their patterns and have I rewarded them? Am I talking to them? Am I treating them with anything different? I should be because of my VIPs. And really think about that. You know, like for me, we have clients who spent quite a lot with us and they get more of my time because that's the biggest thing I can give them. Whereas people that don't, don't get as much, you know. It's, it's just the way that that's the only way I can show that kind of level of fairness. So um, so think about the five levers in a time like this where some businesses are slowing down, where people are finding it hard. There's still growth opportunities. There's still times that we can do this. So go through it, have a listen, have a look, make some notes, have a look at your business, take some time. If you want my help, you can come and get my help. Um, otherwise, come and be part of the MapIt community on Facebook to ask questions. And of course, um, you can also read more information from my book, Be Aspire to Build a Web, which um, there is a link in the show notes, or you can find it on Amazon. 
Um, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much. Next week is Linda Reed Ennever. She is a colossally amazing person when it comes to creating course content and running courses. And she educates people on how to sell their courses. And and listening to her, I have a little list of stuff I've got to do for a couple of our course landing pages, but I've been a bit slack. But I'm going to tell you one thing that she shared with me, which I want to share with you now. She said, if you haven't sold something, I have one question to ask you. Have you mentioned it to your audience in the last seven days? And I guess that ties in quite well with the traffic lever that we've covered today. It's been lovely to talk to you. I hope you have a great week. And I'll talk to you next week with Linda Reed in the If you love what you heard today, be sure to hit subscribe. And if you love this episode in particular, I'd love it if you shared it on social media. Remember to tag me in so I can say thank you. Have a great week and we'll talk soon.